Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. This is episode number 573. And tonight, Sasha, we've got a great show planned. First of all, we've been talking a little bit about fake SD cards. We're going to put them to the test. We're going to see tonight if they're real. And on top of that, we're going to take a quick look at Linux Mint 19. Don't go anywhere. We've got a great show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN. And the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. It's so great to see you again this week. I'm Robbie Ferguson. I am Sasha Rickman. And this week we've got a fantastic show planned for you. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to be looking at uh, fake SD cards. We're going to be looking at uh, another Linux distro that looks strikingly similar to the one that we've already looked at. How strange is that, right? Very cool. I know. I know. Great to see you chat room, everybody, uh, joining us. Nice to see you. Thanks to uh, all of our ops who are helping keep things clean and uh, we appreciate you very, very much. I'm this, off. Hey, you're up. I'm, I'm, I'm up. I saw that uh, the... I've been promoted. People have just been getting kicked for saying hello. I mean, this is... We really you need to teach You did not use commands. appropriate emoticons. Yeah, you... Or are they really called emojis? I, it turns out kick. I'm old. I call them emoticons. They're emojis now. <laughs> I'm here in ICQ. <laughs> How come it's not going, uh-oh? That's weird. Message me. We should do that. We should hook up our, our chat room to make the ICQ I sound. now want that to be my text that notification. That would be great. Did you know that my wife and I met on ICQ? I did know that. That's how we met. That makes me met. happy. Yeah. Like the yeah. old days of internet chat. That is IRC, internet relay chat. I know. I, I met Dave at a regular, like, at a bar. At a bar? Yeah. Well, uh, this was like the bar of geeks. Exactly. Yeah. Essentially, that's exactly what ICQ was. What's funny is, to, not to bring it back to me all of the time, but Dave mm. ordered a salad and an iced tea at a wing bar that yeah. I worked at. Oh, he was trying to impress. He had my full attention immediately. I'm like, a salad? That's, Who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. And an iced yeah. tea. It's like the, yeah. It's like 9 p.m. <laughs> What's what are on? you doing? It's like the last ICQ. Incidentally, ICQ actually still exists. Can you believe? It now, doesn't. No. I mean, as much as Tom and MySpace still exist, but it's there. It still is in operation. The servers still. Really? I wonder how many people are on it. I don't know. I mean, I know that I am two one four eight four six three two. That was that my, in your vows? That, I, no, but it could have been. That's just, <laughs> the priest is at the front. Two one four eight four six three two. Do you take Becca Ferguson as your Becca Smith at those <laughs> at that time as your lawfully wedded wife? Uh, I CQ. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. No, but it seriously does oh, still well. exist. I've logged okay. in and it's there. Weird. How weird is that? And people are like, "What is this thing that?" you're talking about they I still know. make it they still make it i love it huge back in the day that was like the facebook 
Right. When Facebook was popular. I I remember like nobody had computers at their house or at least my family didn't and we went like I would have to go to the computer lab at the school and there were only like I think that and you there had were probably ICQ like at yeah. the school? Yeah. Yeah. And Do there you were only your designation? I don't remember oh, mine. Oh. But there like, were only like know, 12 there was like 12 computers in this computer lab. I feel like nobody had a computer at home. And I was like one of four people ever in there. Like it was mm. so not a big deal then. I Whereas, also really appreciate like, that you judge everyone based on what you had at home at the time. Yeah. Like nobody had computers Nobody at had home computers at because home. Because I didn't. Exactly. Also, nobody had a microwave. Right? Cable TV. <laughs> Everybody was only allowed to watch TV on Fridays. Yeah, there you go. Thanks, Mom. I had three computers at the time. <laughs> Whatever. Back in those days, wow. That's how you got a wife, see? I Exactly. I stayed yeah. single until last year. That's what happened. <laughs> That's- it's because you didn't have ICQ. <laughs> right. That's why. This is this is how things come about. So you had to wait for the guy who was ordering salad and iced tea at the bar. Which works it worked out i'll tell you it worked out here you are a year later congratulations on the anniversary (laughs) thank you dave congratulations well done sir um okay we're gonna get into it um first of all we have had an incredible week here at category 5 tv it's been so encouraging thank you community for coming together and supporting category 5 tv we've had various needs um such as our need to be able to record category 5 technology tv right this is kind of a good thing when you run an internet-based TV show to actually, to be, actually able to be able to record it right. so that you can then upload it to the interwebs and to our various distribution channels. It's on like the short list of things you need to be able to do. It kind of is at the top of the list, yeah. like number one. <laughs> right. Um, so one of our viewers contributed an Atomos Ninja Flame, which is a 4K recording device, and I see it actually flashing right now. So this is being recorded on the Atomos Ninja Flame. Um, also, um, we had Michael who donated a uh, LED light bulb, which is yes. blinding me right now. It's fantastic. And I'm getting a I don't tan. Know if, yeah, I don't know if you can tell because you probably want sunglasses on before you look into the sun. No, but you can the see the one in the middle. Yeah, no, is I the can. LED, and it is way brighter than the, the uh, rest of than them. the rest of them. If you squint your so eyes, it actually ended up being brighter which I would consider is better in a yes. studio environment. It's brighter and, and uh, you know, it's a really nice white light. It turned out that it's brighter than the other bulbs. So incandes- or LED versus fluorescent, I'm quite impressed that the LED is doing a better job using less electricity. Just like an on-the-fly review of it, it actually is amazing. There you go. So. There's our on-the-fly review, and it is brighter than the fluorescents. And I looked at it, and now I cannot see the teleprompter, so I don't know what to say. <laughs> I have no idea where I am or what I'm doing, but I see dots. Wow. It's like I, I have gotten into your brain. Right <laughs> this is, this is what it feels thing. like to be Sasha. The best thing I do is just, I just <laughs> nod and smile. And then I oh, tell you, I brilliant. just, I wait for a pause and I say, oh yeah? Oh yeah. Oh yeah? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing that we're working on is getting a replacement um, unit for the XLR for your microphone right? so that we can welcome Jeff back and we hope to do that within the next six months. Right. I mean, it would be nice to have the guy here. Um, we miss and him he a misses, little. He misses us. Yeah. And we actually, he's here. It's just that we locked him outside. Right. So it would be really nice to be able to let him in to the building and plug in a microphone and that'll be really good. He's going to have so much to say by the time he oh, gets back on. He'll be like, I've been freezing. I've been here for two weeks. 
it's like outside. it's like that time I got a root canal and for <laughs> one whole hour I couldn't say a thing and everything I thought was right. hilarious and I'm like oh, oh yes yeah like all and of then you the saw best the video playback yeah, yeah. all the best things Yikes. are when you can't talk <laughs> <laughs> we tonight are going to be looking at fake SD cards right. we talked about it a couple of weeks back and tonight one might be on its way to us Ooh. stick around For a limited time, get your hands on limited edition shirts from the Category 5 TV network. These high-quality shirts are manufactured by Teespring, a fundraising website, and your purchase will help support the shows we produce. Get yours today and send us your pictures to be featured on the corresponding show. Visit cat5.tv shirts to support us and get your official network shirt today. cat5.tv shirts. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about fake SD cards being available on Amazon. And and what I want to kind of answer the question, because the questions have been coming in in full force. Mm -hmm. People on YouTube, people sending us email and commenting on our website saying, would Amazon really sell a fake SD card? So what I want to know is, could a fake SD card actually be real? Oh. And by real, I mean, could it actually be fake? <laughs> yes. Could it be? So let's, uh, I'm just going to switch over to my computer here and let's jump over to uh, Amazon.ca, my shopping portal, and uh, let's do a quick search here. I'm going to do a 256 gigabyte micro SD and I can see, oh yeah, the cost is well over 100 bucks for these kind of things. So remember, we're going to be using this in our video camera, so we want to shoot a wedding with this. Now this one's cheaper, but it's only 128 gigs. Again, 256 gig Samsung, it's a bit heavy. So let's sort by price because that's what I do on Amazon, right? And whoa, Sasha, can you believe it? 256 gigs for like under 10 bucks? Do it, it's a steal. It sounds like it. This looks totally legit. 256 gigabytes. It's class 10, obviously. It looks good. It's the best chip and flash modules. (laughs) And it's only 10 bucks. Okay, I've got to take a look at the reviews because I've got to be smart about this. Now, there's only two and a half out of five stars. This guy, I mean, it seems like, oh, yeah, they definitely are happy with this purchase. Okay, yeah, uh uh-huh. Oh, but there's a lot of one-star reviews. Now, when I see these one-star reviews and I start kind of skimming these, I start to think, Sasha, that, oh, you know what? They probably, they they got a lemon. Maybe they got a lemon. I mean, there's there's 400 reviews plus here, so... I'm going to add this to cart because, you know what, it's worth the risk of $10. I can definitely spend $10. I mean, look at the price of a normal 256 gig uh, SD card. So this is definitely a steal. I, I regret that those folks got a lemon, but I think, uh, you know, I'm going to play, I'm going to take the risk. Yep. And let's, uh, let's give it a go. Place the order. Free shipping. Yeah, Prime. <laughs> All right. Who could that be? Oh, okay. Um, just one second here. Sorry to do this to you folks. Amazon's gotten really fast these days. <laughs> All right. Well, let's bring this over here to our unboxing table, and let's get a look here. This has got to be... 
a fake at $10. But uh, let's get into the package. But w- wait a minute. This actually came from Amazon. This is the Mississauga right. uh, Amazon warehouse. So this didn't come from some obscure Chinese factory or something like that. No, this came directly from Amazon.ca. Explaining why it was so fast. Exactly. All right. Oh, yeah. Look Here at that. Here we go. It is a micro SDHC memory card. New. Made in China. It's a memory card, as we learned on the front. Plug and play for digital cameras, cellular phones. Oh, it even does PDAs, just in case you still use a PDA. Like High-speed, high-performance. This sounds incredible for only 10 bucks. Okay. Let's get into it. All right, let's take a look here. This can't be real. I mean, they've got a sticker over it. It's got to be a fake. No, that looks completely legit to me. <laughs> All right. Let's see if I can just get in there. Okay. Um, huh. Yeah. Ah, there we go. All right. Let's get a look at this. So there's a micro SD card right there. Is it a 5 gig? At that price, it's got to be like 16 gigs now. No, that's a, actually a 256 gigabyte micro SD card. For the win. I'm shocked. This is legit, Sasha. <laughs> so let's throw this in the camera. All right. All right, so we've got it in our camera. We're ready to start shooting video at my cousin's wedding. Right. Right? It formats. The Mm -hmm. camera reads it. The camera shows that it's 256 gigs. Yep, that's a win. It's good. It's obviously a legit 256 gig card for only $9.99, right? Steal. Score. And... Do you see any doubt in my eyes? <laughs> any doubt in my eyes whatsoever? I have Linux installed on my computer, folks. Linux gives me power beyond measure. And I can figure things out that maybe you can't do on a normal system in quite as little time. Tonight, we're going to look at this micro SD card that Amazon shipped me. Let's get a little bit of a close-up look here. A 200 56 gigabyte micro SD card. We're going to take a look at that in Linux and find out, is this for real? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's back up a few weeks. Right. We had to talk about the folks who actually did this and bought this off of Amazon, plugged it into their DSLR, and it was working fantastically well. Right. So they shot a wedding with it. They did. And they shot the whole thing. And then they got it home, and they went to edit the video, and everything on the card was corrupt. Why would that happen? Well, because a fake micro SD card will, in fact, um, only be, say, let's say it's a 16 gig micro SD that they hacked the firmware of to trick your camera into thinking it's 256 gigs, and then right. they reprinted the silk screening to make it look like physically it's 256 gigs. So. Shady. Yeah, but when you plug it in, because they've hacked the, the firmware, the, the bootloader, the boot sectors, and mm-hmm. whatever else of the drive, your camera, your device, your phone thinks it's 256 gigs. So then it hits that 16 gig cap because it's legitimately not 256 gigs. It's only, say, 16 gigs. And when it hits that cap, it still keeps recording and right. starts, and it thinks that it's 256 gigs. So there's lots of space. But where's it putting that data? The chips that are within this card. If this is indeed fake, but in the instance of a fake card, is not going to be able to write the data. It's going to look like it's there because it's recording the file names and everything else, but it may not be there. So how do we actually tell? Well, we have unboxed this now tonight. We've got a 
SD card, micro SD card reader. I'm just going to simply plug that in and okay. set this aside because there's a USB 3 memory card reader. And let's bring up our Linux laptop here. And I'm just going to jump into the terminal. Now, I'm going to say just straight off. Oh, and let's, uh, let's see what I can do here about the display because you're not seeing what I see. Let's quickly, can I bring this? Can I just drag that over to oh, there? Yep. That there works. Go. All right, folks. Let's see if I can just kind of... No, it won't let me zoom in. So I hope that you're using a high enough resolution <laughs> that you can see that very, very well. Um, but I'm going to walk you through... Oh, there we go. I'm going to walk you through everything that I'm going to do here. So first of all, I'm doing this on Linux. You can figure this out on Microsoft Windows. Stick around. If you're on Microsoft Windows, I'm going to tell you how you can do this on Windows if you do not have Linux. But Linux is free. You can install it, and then you can do this, and it's much, much quicker. Right. Now, I don't have a fear, Sasha, that Mac users ever have this problem because a Mac user is going to go to Amazon, and they're going to see the cheap cards, and they're going to skip right over them to the really expensive cards. Right, And then they're going to multiply the price of the really expensive card by three, and that's the one that they're going to buy. <laughs> That's so right. They're buying the three hundred dollar, two hundred fifty six gig. Right, and then SD they're card. just expecting that in two years they'll have to buy another one anyway. Exactly. So Mac users, this is not for you. I understand that you've never tried to find uh, something at this price point, but. For you Windows and Linux users who are looking for a deal, you might fall for this if you go onto Amazon. So what we're going to do on our Linux machine, first of all, I'm going to become super user. So sudo su on my, um, uh, this is uh, Linux Mint, aka uh, this one's based on Ubuntu, so um, sudo su for any of those, or just su su. Uh, on a Debian system. And I'm going to install a program called F3, so apt install F3. It's going to quickly grab that from the repositories. There we go. And let's run the program. So we're going to run F3 probe. And here's where I actually, well, I can't really proceed because I haven't plugged in my micro mm -hmm. SD card yet. So let's do that first. First of all, I need to know what drive this is going to be. I'm going to control C. So I'm going to go LS space. Now remember, I am super user, so I can do this. Dev slash SD star. Enter. And I see SDA. SDA1, SDA2. So the built-in computer hard drive on my computer mm -hmm. is SDA. Mm -hmm. Okay? So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to connect my USB reader. Right. Okay? And as soon as I do that, now Linux is going to probably detect a couple of... Uh, new drives, quite possibly. Let's see. Maybe not. But what I can do is now I can run that same command, ls slash... Oh, it is detecting something. It seemed to kind of jump around there a little bit. Oh, on my other screen, it is, it's brought up a drive here, which I can close. And over here, I'm going to run that same command. What I'm telling it to do is show me all the devices that start with SD because of that asterisk, mm -hmm. SD being uh, like a, a hard drive, if you right. will, which my USB drive is being detected as. And you can see that now I've got SDB and SDB1. So let's, now remember I installed F3, but before I do that, I'm going to go fdisk-l slash dev slash SDB now that we've determined that that is my drive. And lo and behold, it's 245 gigabytes. <gasps> so do you guys see that? There you go. There you go. That's what your computer shows you. That's what Windows will show you. That's what Mac will show you. Mm -hmm. That's what your camera will show you. That's what your phone will show you. 
So how do we determine whether or not this is legit? Mm-hmm. Is it really a 256 gig or what is being reported as 245 gig SD card? So that's where F3 comes in. So let's do F3 probe. Now that we know that it is dev slash SDB, I'm going to go dash dash. This is a brand new card. So we're going to do a destructive test. Oh. Which we want to do anyways because it's the most accurate for this really, really quick test. But... Um, it, it will destroy some data if you have data on there. So don't do this on a card so that you've already used. A destructive test just like? It is going to overwrite sectors of the drive, and then okay. it's going to read those sectors back to say, hey, did that okay. actually work, or did it lie to me and say that it would work, but it didn't? Okay. Right? Are we going to get corrupted data? So the reason we're using F3 as opposed to some of the tools that are out there um, is because F3 Probe can do this extremely quickly. So where it may take six hours on a 256 gigabyte drive using traditional means and on Microsoft Windows, here on Linux with F3 Probe, it's going to take under 15 minutes. Perfect. Okay. And sometimes just seconds, just seconds. So dash dash destructive, dash dash, the type of test we're going to do, time ops slash dev slash, and what was the drive, Sasha? I'm just quizzing you. SDB. 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 Sorry. Remember, that's important because if I accidentally typed SDA, that's my hard drive in my laptop. Right. I'm going to overwrite sectors on my actual hard drive. Don't make that mistake. Be very, very careful of this command. I'm going to hit enter. And it says, warning. Probing normally takes a few seconds to 15 minutes, but it can take longer. Please be patient. (laughs) So what this is doing right now, Sasha? Yes. It is writing random points on this drive. So it knows that it's supposed to be 256 gigabytes. Right. And so it'll write something at 10 gigabytes. And it'll write something at 4 gigabytes. And it'll write something at 20 gigabytes. And something at 100 gigabytes. And something at 500 gigabytes. And it'll read it back. And it'll say, does this match what I wrote? Ah. And if at any point it sees that it's not actually matching, then it's going to figure out, okay, well, where does this drive actually end off? And we're going to find out how big the drive actually is. But what makes me nervous, Sasha, is is there a chance that the $10 SD card could be legit? I feel like there's like a 0.0% chance. There's pretty much a 0.0% chance. How's it coming? Oh, it's done. Okay. Okay, what do we got? Ladies and gentlemen, bad news. See that? If I can yes. get it. Bad news. This device, dev slash SDB, is a counterfeit of type limbo. Huh. The actual device geometry, and it only took a couple of moments here, the usable size of this drive, ladies and gentlemen, is 15.66 gigabytes. <sighs> the announced size is 245 gigabytes. Wowzers. Ladies and gentlemen, we have purchased a fake micro SD card from Amazon. Legitimately. Yes. Amazon.ca shipped directly from their warehouse. Right. Yes, they're going to be hearing from me. Yes, I'm going to be returning the card. Yes, I'm furious because I shot that whole wedding and I'm going to sue. Now, here's the... Let's back up again. I love doing this. Think about the scenario. Right. At the beginning of this, Sasha, we decided, we determined... It's worth the risk of $10 because my $10, that's like five cups of coffee. Right. Right. It's worth that risk. I might save 
$95 or $100. Right. What is the value that you would put on, say, your wedding video? It's I'm using that example plus. because this yeah, is legit. It's like, it's like, like worth, what would I spend to get it back if I didn't have it? A lot of money. How would yeah. you feel, and this is rhetorical for everyone, and, and using wedding video, maybe that's not the example that is applicable to you, but right. something that is priceless to you. Mm-hmm. Photos on your phone, contacts, files that are important to you. What if you hit that 16 gig limit of the physical disc mm-hmm. and kept saving to it and lost everything else that you saved? What, was that worth the $10? Was that worth saving, potentially saving $90? And I th- it is a rhetorical question. The answer is absolutely not. Now, this is a fake micro SD card. And this tool, F3, and in this particular instance of this example, F3 Probe, the application that comes with it, is showing us on Linux that the drive is actually only a 16 gig drive. Now, whoever hacked it, whoever sold this illegal fake drive on Amazon or to Amazon and put it in their warehouse hacked the firmware, hacked the chip to make it think and make it trick your device into thinking that it is 256 gigs or reporting as 245 gigs, but in fact it is not. Now the drive may be usable and so Mm -hmm. F3 Fix is included and has given you the command to be able to use the full 16 gig space. So I could convert this into a 16 gig card and start using it, but that's not what I bought. And if I had recorded to it, I would have lost practically everything that I had written to it because how quickly do you fill 16 gigs with a 4K camera or your DSLR? It just, boom, lickety split, just like that. Mm -hmm. So stay away from those fake drives. If you see those red flags, what what do we look for? Well, too good to be true prices. Absolutely. Bad reviews. Bad reviews are uh, definitely something. Now, they're not always the case because bad reviews may be, you do have to, I kind of joked about it and alluded to it. You sometimes have to say, oh, that person obviously doesn't know what they're talking about. A fresh new company. Very brand new. Yeah, a company that just started up. Right. And really, you know, you, you can't really find out about them. Yeah. That's definitely, definitely... I, I can't think of anything else. And those so what are else? some really good red flags. Yeah. Bad reviews and perpetually bad reviews. Right. And look at, look at the good reviews too, okay? Can I say that? Can right. I suggest that one way to tell if it's a fake product is to look at the good reviews? Because if the good reviews are so glowing mm-hmm. and so poor in their English, a lot of right. times, I, I hate to say it, but a lot of times, that. they are possibly hired by the company who's doing this fraud or perhaps the same people Mm -hmm. and they're adding this to that to offset all those bad reviews and it does happen this is legit right well you can also be frozen out of being able to write a review which is an after the fact problem right so you're like oh this is a this is a bad device and then Mm -hmm. you go to write a review and you're frozen out of it you can't it's close i sure hope that i can post this video yes and, uh, and I hope that I save you from accidentally mm. believing that a $10, 256 gigabyte micro SD card exists. Right. 
Now, if you're on Microsoft Windows, we've got a link for you at cat5.tv slash USB test. And that will take you to this blog entry at raymond.cc that has been sent to us courtesy of David Fear, a viewer uh, who was watching and commented on uh, our YouTube channel. So thank you, David, for sending this in. Now, this blog entry, um, number one, shows us to use H2 test W, which is a very uh, well-respected tool to do this very test on Microsoft Windows. So if you're not on Linux, you can use this tool, and it's going to take a lot longer than the Linux tool that we showed you tonight, but it's going to do the job for you and show you whether that USB flash drive, or in this case, a micro SD card, is in fact legit, or if it's fake. Stick around, we've got more show for you coming up. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit Category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners, and thank you for watching. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Now, Sasha, over the past couple of weeks, I've been looking for a Linux distribution to help me migrate my laptop over to Linux. Right. I need to be able to do video editing, though. That's, like, crucial to me. Right. Do you want to I be run cool a whole TV like I am mm -hmm. with my Linux? With Linux, yes, absolutely. But you also still yeah. want to do video yes. editing. And so, now, we looked at LMDE. Yes. And I love it. I'm actually quite impressed with it. It's Debian-based, but I couldn't quite get my video editor to work on it. So then I thought, okay, maybe I could try Linux Mint, the mm -hmm. actual Linux Mint 19, because mm -hmm. it's based on Ubuntu, and I know that it probably has more current proprietary drivers for NVIDIA, and those kinds of things are a lot easier to take care of on Linux Mint than they are on LMDE3, right. for example. So... I was able to get Linux Mint installed, and I got DaVinci Resolve installed. But I was horribly disappointed in not Linux Mint, not Linux, but in DaVinci Resolve that it says, uh, your hardware is not good enough for this stuff, Robbie. Oh. And I said, uh, who cares about my screen resolution? I get in there, and I start doing video editing, and it says... You're out of memory, you're, your GPU can't keep up, and all this kind of stuff. And then I start thinking, uh, I do video editing on here on Microsoft Windows 10 all the time. Mm -hmm. CyberLink PowerDirector 14 is what I'm currently using. I'll probably upgrade because we do, sometimes do some 360 stuff. But it works flawlessly. Mm -hmm. So why can't DaVinci Resolve handle editing on my same computer? And so it's not a Linux versus Windows thing, it's a CyberLink PowerDirector versus right. DaVinci Resolve thing. And I really love the idea of DaVinci Resolve, but it seems to me like I'd have to upgrade and upgrade and upgrade by a better laptop. It's getting aged, I admit. We've had this one for many years here at the studio, but it still does the job mm -hmm. on Windows for editing with CyberLink. Mm -hmm. 
So do you take that approach of investing money into the thing and buying new one? And uh, now why don't I just buy a Mac if I have that mindset, right? <laughs> but, and that's the second time in this show that we've dissed Mac. And that's what this show's about, folks. So if you're <laughs> here for the first time now, you know. Um, I don't want to take that approach because it already works. I don't like to replace things that I already have. Right. I'm, I'm not just, that mindset. Right. You want to be able to use what you have, but yeah. for the purpose that suits you best. Right. Right. And I dream of being able to go 100% exclusive Linux, doing all my video editing, doing everything else. Everything else I only do on Linux. Web surfing, email, everything right. else I do, documents, everything is Linux. Programming, especially. I hate doing it on Windows. It sucks. Mm -hmm. But on Linux, it's fantastic. So I have to take the approach and say, okay, what, what else can I do? What can I do here? And then I thought, Sasha, what if? What if I took away that dependency and said, okay, it's telling me my laptop ain't good enough. Even right. though I know it's good enough. Right. It ain't good enough to run DaVinci Resolve 15. But I know it's good enough for CyberLink PowerDirector 14. Right. And I'm happy with it. It's fantastic. So what if I dual booted? What if I take the approach of saying, let's just find a really nice Linux for me to use in my day-to-day. -day, and when I have to do video editing, uh -huh. I can reboot into Windows 10. Right. Do my video editing in CyberLink PowerDirector, which performs great. And then... When I'm done, I switch back into Linux. Well, bingo, so, bango. Yeah, now I've done away with that need to depend on, hey, I have to be able to do DaVinci Resolve. I got it up and going, folks. So if you've got a dreamy computer, check out my blog, baldnerd.com. Do a quick search for DaVinci Resolve. I actually outlined kind of what I went through in order to get it up and going, including the packages that you need to install because it's a bit onerous. So, um, But it's working, as you can see there. It's just complaining that I changed my resolution because, as you know, I did that for you. Um, <laughs> So, but I'm, I'm really impressed with Linux Mint, okay? So let's take away the need to go with DaVinci Resolve and say, all right, let's, and I, see, I was working on New Every Day there for the week's show, and, and that's when I ran out of video memory and everything. Um, Linux Mint is, is really quite sleek, and this looks exactly like LMDE, I got to admit. It does look strikingly similar. Cinnamon is the menu system. It works really well. I love certain aspects of both LMDE and Linux Mint. For one, I really like the, the navigation. I really like the way that it operates. Mm -hmm. It's just, it flows with my kind of mindset of how the operating system and the file system should flow. Like when I plug in a device, it gives me access to it the way I think I should have access to it. And it just seems to work really, really well. I don't really need to go through the menu and navigation. It's all very much the same as what you've already seen. The difference mm -hmm. here is that I have things like driver manager. And when I bring that up, this is what really makes Linux Mint stand out against LMDE is because it's based on Ubuntu, it has features like this. And they come from Ubuntu. So this is like, hey, if you, if you love Ubuntu's capabilities but not Ubuntu's interface, well, Linux Mint really kind of strikes it for you. So you can see, like, my NVIDIA card was detected, and it just installed and worked. Uh, it detected my Broadcom chip and installed and worked. So it makes right. things a lot easier. So there are differences. But they're subtle and they're really user-friendly experience kind of things. So I mentioned last week, if you're new to Linux, 
go with Linux Mint as opposed to LMDE because mm-hmm. I kind of feel like LMDE is a bit more power user-ish um, because of the fact that it's not based on Ubuntu. It's based on Debian. You do need to get your hands kind of a little more dirty with that. Right. So I'm kind of thinking, hey, I really like this whole thing that Linux Mint is doing. Check out more at linuxmint.com. See what you think. And if you've got a distro that you really love, let me know. And, uh, and let me know kind of what, what you think of the idea that maybe we should remove that DaVinci Resolve necessity from that, um, from that decision. Yeah. And instead, just find a distro that I really like. Right. I mean, who knows? You might find a distro you really like that does run DaVinci. No, it's because my right. heart. Da Vin- it's just, no, because it's not it's, Linux. Oh, it's not Linux. It's, it's not the, Linux. Oh, that's the problem. right. It's actually DaVinci right. Resolve that's saying it didn't work. We've got to head over to the newsroom, <laughs> and uh, the, if you're ready for it, I am. We'll I am indeed. Zip right over. All right. All right. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category 5.tv newsroom. Bitcoin and other digital currencies continue to tumble in value amid concerns that Wall Street institutions are shunning cryptocurrencies. To map the planet's winds, the British-built Aeolus satellite has begun firing its lasers down on Earth. A self-driving bus has begun shuttle service in Calgary. And we may not have colonies on Mars and faster-than-light travel yet, but if you have a Vizio TV, you'll get a taste of a bizarre feature wherein gadgets turn against their makers after first betraying their owners. Also, a pop-up informing you that your TV has been spying on you and will prompt you to sue its own manufacturer. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Weston. You're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? You're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cap5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. This is the Category5.tv newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. Bitcoin and other digital currencies have continued to tumble in value amid concerns that Wall Street institutions are shunning cryptocurrencies. It follows media reports originally in Business Insider that American investment bank Goldman Sachs was shelving plans to set up a cryptocurrency trading desk. Goldman Sachs CFO Martin Chavez has since made publicly clear that the reports were false. He says... I never thought I would hear myself use this term, but I really have to describe that news as fake news. The truth of the matter is, Wall Street is loving cryptos. They're even opening an exchange, and NASDAQ is investing in a tool to predict crypto price movements. Bitcoin has lost two-thirds of its value in the past nine months. It was trading above $19,000 in December, and if it continues to fall, it could threaten this year's low of $5,887. This can affect the value of other coins, too, especially altcoins, whose value are based on the, v- the value of 
of Bitcoin. The future regulatory framework for digital coins remains unclear. In the United States, the U.S. Securities and the Exchange Commission has warned that some coins might be regarded as securities, which means dealing in them may become subject to federal law. According to CoinMarketCap, the overall market capitalization of virtual currencies has lost three quarters of its value since January peak, slumping from $800 billion to around $200 billion now. Blockchain technology enables us to use and transact currency quickly, safely, and trustingly. It enables anyone to set up automated self-employed business where market where mark contracts will enable vendors to get paid directly by a customer with no middleman. You are already able to create your own currency to pay for those services, so what's going wrong? Here's our crypto correspondent Robert Koning to share his thoughts on the state of Bitcoin. So what's the reason for this huge drop in, uh, in market valuation. From my point of view, the main one is lack of education. I've seen so many people in this market that have got no clue what they're talking about. A lot of YouTubers and, and uh, well, uh, Twitter also, that have got an opinion, that are shedding a coin, shilling a coin, and really don't know what they're talking about. Many people don't even understand what the blockchain is. So that's the main reason that a lot of information is in the market that is false and therefore one has to be very careful in listening exactly where the news is coming from. Even big uh, magazines and, and news outlets are uh, bringing out news that are not correct. On the other hand, is there's also no real use case or mass adoption um, in, in this crypto market. It's an early stage. If you look at Bitcoin, it's still at version zero point, I don't know what. So it's not version one. Um, we're still some time away of many people being able to use or even invest into into cryptos. Um, if you look at who is participating in the market, it's really probably less than 1% globally people that can participate or are currently participating in this market. Um, there is some manipulation happening because it's not regulated, it's global. There is manipulation happening and so that's why there's a reason the price to drop or go up. The market is really bullish, not from the financial uh, point of view, but from the outlook of where cryptocurrencies are going to be in a few years time. It's going to be a huge market. That's probably gu even guaranteed that that's big. Every big company, every financial institution is looking into this year, participating and doing something. The, just from the logical point of view, it is going to be huge. So there is nothing to fear from the basics, basis uh, of cryptocurrencies. Coming into that, I received two questions that I'd like to answer, which go in sync with uh, what I just said. I mean, Sean asked, for example, how can I participate? Now, Sean, there are three aspects to this. One is investing. Yeah, so, and this is not financial advice. This is just my, my point of view on how I see the situation. If you want to invest in this market, probably it's a good time to do it now. The price went down from 20,000 to now, let's say, around 6,000. It can go a little bit further down. There are some people saying it can go down to 5,000, but which is not a huge drop uh, from the risk-taking point of view. You can't even wait a few months or a few weeks before you invest but it's a good point 
to start investing into cryptos. The other one, how I can participate is from the programming. Now, that is really attractive. There's a huge uh, uh, downside or there's a huge market opportunity for programmers. Uh, <clears throat> and I would definitely, if you're... If you're if you if you like to program, I would definitely go into this market and start learning how to program in EOS, Ethereum, and so on. And the other one is for those people that want to build something. First recommendation is learn about blockchain. Yeah, if you don't know what blockchain is, don't touch it. And then start dreaming about applications that would be new, so that where there's no case out there and uh, where. You can really change something in your environment or in the bigger picture and start building something. It's, um, it's not that difficult. And um, the next question is, Michael, he asked, uh, <clears throat> I heard that there are issues uh, of concern around cryptocurrencies, including potential money laundering and, uh, and uh, market uh, manipulation. Well, Michael, yes, market manipulation, yes, that's there. Um, and uh, all the big, like SEC and so on, they're looking into this year and they will find those um, that are manipulating the market and they will be penalized. I'm pretty sure about that. The potential of money laundering, that is not there. That is just a myth. Uh, it's much easier to launder money with US dollars or Canadian dollars or euros than with cryptocurrencies. And why? because the cryptocurrency stays on a blockchain and therefore you can always go back uh, to any transaction that was made and really find out what happened. Yeah, with US dollars you can't. Once they're spent, they're gone. Blockchain, it's there. You can still find in Bitcoin, for example, the first transaction that was made by Satoshi Nakamoto back in 2009. That is there, you can see it. And so I cannot recommend um, uh, doing any money laundering or any criminal activities on a blockchain because it will be visible and also the, the government <clears throat> knows um, who's participating where because companies like Coinbase have to report and uh, you can see what uh, uh, public key is linked to what name and so you can track the person, um, the, the activities of a person in regards to cryptocurrencies. Now there is, of course, those privacy coins like Monero and Zcash and so on that will not allow you to do that at the moment. So I would not bank on that. Um, so I don't see that as a potential money laundering uh, thing. That That's just something that is out there in the market, but it's not really an issue and will never be an issue because cash will always uh, be a better tool to do these things. Right, that's it. Um, that's it from me here. Um, and back to the studio. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. The British-built ALS satellite has begun firing its lasers down on Earth to map the planet's winds. It's a big moment for the European Space Agency mission as the technology took 16 years to develop. Launched three weeks ago from the Kourou space, spaceport in French Guiana, AOLUS is now undergoing three months of testing. Once this is complete, scientists will start assessing the satellite's wind data for inclusion in weather models. Its maps are expected to bring significant improvement in the accuracy of medium-range forecasts, those that look a few days ahead. 
Mark, Dr. Mark Drinkwater, who heads the agency's Earth and Mission Science Division, says it's a euphoric feeling and a proud moment to reach this milestone after overcoming the first technical challenge to build, launch, and operate this complex wind lidar. Now we are arguably some of what are arguably some of Europe's most patient and and scientists and weather service services eagerly wait to take over the baton. At the moment, wind data comes from multiple but patchy sources, such as weather balloons. Aeolus will be the first system to gather wind information all across the globe, from the ground up to nearly 30 kilometers in altitude. It will do this by firing a powerful ultraviolet laser down into the atmosphere. With the aid of a telescope and a sensitive detector, it will then look for the way the pulsed beam's light is scattered back off the air molecules, water droplets, and dust particles. This should reveal basic details about air movement and numerical weather models will be adjusted to take account of it. Experts confirm that the laser's first days of working revealed clear features of the wind. I love that they're able to use LiDAR as a technology to do this. Like the same thing that... <clears throat> makes autonomous vehicles possible. Right. And I mean, we, like, the, my basic knowledge of LIDAR comes from a, an interview we did. You yes. Know. Um, and we were looking at the, uh, the City of the Monkey God. Go- right. And with that, they used LIDAR from an airplane to be able to see through the jungle cover into right. the, into like ruins. Right. So now they're using LIDAR from the sky down and looking at wind patterns which a medium range weather forecast with accuracy would be amazing and now there would be no more jokes left on earth because pretty much every joke is about how bad weather forecasts are oh um, it's true but it is it's true. annoying yeah so if so they can improve if that they can improve that I'm, I'm game they'll be happy so i thought to myself like is lidar like ultraviolet laser rays that are streaming down to earth is that going to robot co- brains is that going to be a problem so I gl- like cancer causing elements and things oh, like well, that well i was thinking oh. i didn't know either so i was thinking more like along the lines of what's it going to do to people like not people what's it going to do to life that isn't people mm. right mm-hmm. like plants I think it's pretty passive and, and, yeah i mean it, lidar is a very passive technology it's ca- but- yeah it's completely safe i was i was looking it up just to see like ultraviolet light already exists right so if you concentrate it a little bit what's going to happen well all plants and animals that are hanging out in the atmosphere already have their own natural sunscreen i guess uv sunscreen so, so we're with fine. Aeolus in the atmosphere. Do we need to wear like SPF one twenty? We need nothing. Nothing. We're good. We're nice. just we've got. We some... just take advantage of the fact that we'll know when it's going to be sunny out, right? So we know to put on SPF sixty. And I mean, in this day and age, like the weather patterns have been kind of crazy and unpredictable right now. There's some storms mm-hmm. going on, and and I just think if we can get just really as specific as possible we can really it's a, it's a safety thing really more than anything for it can be absolutely yeah. there are times when it is a safety thing and we we certainly feel that right now exactly so very cool an autonomous vehicle billed as the future of transportation is spending the month ferrying passengers between two neighboring tourist attractions in calgary alberta the autonomous electric bus is named ella 
and it stands for Electronic Automation. And Saturday marked its maiden voyage between the Calgary Zoo and the TELUS Spark Science Center next door. It can carry up to 12 people at a time, and its speed has been limited to 12 kilometers an hour for its short journeys between the zoo and the science center. Ella runs on two key technologies. Josephine Tang of TELUS Spark describes one as a super fancy version of a GPS, and the other is LIDAR, short for Light Detection and Ranging, which is used to detect pedestrians or other obstacles in the vehicle's path. Telespark is one of the two companies sponsoring Ella's time in Calgary, along with energy giant ADCO. The federal government has also put a $50,000 grant toward the project. The vehicle is being billed as the first electronic autonomous shuttle in Canada able to be used as by the public. Manufacturer Easy Mile let mem members of the public board a similar vehicle in Montreal last year, but that vehicle stayed on the Olympic Park property. Ella's presence in Calgary isn't only about showing off the emerging technology of autonomous vehicles. Researchers are watching to see how Ella performs on the gravel roadways linking the zoo and the science center, and the University of Calgary students are studying passengers' reaction to the vehicle. While while there might not be anybody controlling Ella directly, as it makes its trips back and forth, there is a backup system in case emergency human intervention is needed. Sang said there is an operator on the bus to make sure everything is running smoothly. The vehicle will spend September in Calgary before moving to Edmonton next month. So the technology is actually happening. Yeah. It's there. It's real. It's, it's ha I just, again, about LiDAR, it's... it's mm -hmm. It's literally everywhere now. I just, I love the fact that Such we can see. Such a sophisticated type of, like I, LIDAR kind of alludes to radar, right? Right. Like the, you know, send a signal, receive it back, send a signal, receive it back. But it's so detailed. Right. It's so precise. Like, if you think about dots per inch in, in terms of, like, imagery. Right. It's so clear. Exactly. And so it can make out things like a human form, a pedestrian, and things like that. So Easily. So I was thinking, um, now I'm a little VR obsessed as we might realize. You don't but say. The human intervention. She buys a VR headset and now all of a sudden she's obsessed. I'm obsessed. Um, so the VR aspect of this that I was thinking is we probably don't actually need a human operator, to be honest with you. You think we need them in a VR headset? We need somebody at a, at a central hub that can mm. control many and just flip with VR to the actual bus and be able to actually control. Oh, this sounds so sci-fi We now. don't but actually you know it's need coming. a person there. You know it's coming. Yeah. Everything that we're talking about, 10 years ago, I would have said, that sounds so fine now. Right? Right. But this is real. This is real. So when will that become real? When will the avatars become yeah. reality? I don't think we actually need a real person in there. Um, also, funny little side note is the fact that they picked those two locations in a city in Canada because it's a gravel road. Like, let's experience. <laughs> that connects them. Yeah. The, yeah it's, it's, it's a corduroy road up there in Canada. <laughs> On the west coast of Canada, there's a corduroy road connecting the zoo and whatever. <laughs> yeah, the Spark Center. The, yeah. And they're right next door, so yeah. it doesn't have to go far. Yeah. Also, side note, they called it the Easy Mile. The company's called Easy Mile. I get it. But we're in okay. Canada now. It's an easy kilometer. Easy 2.6 kilometers. That's right. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
We may not have um, colonies on Mars and faster than tra light travel yet, but if you have a Vizio TV, you will get a taste of a bizarre feature where gadgets turn against their makers after first betraying their owners. Also, a pop-up informing you that your TV has been spying on you will prompt you to sue its own manufacturer. All this gadget drama started on November 2015 when journalistic watchdog ProPublica exposed Vizio for illegally using its popular smart TVs to spy on its customers. The secret feature recorded what, when, and where its TV users were watching in order to sell their viewing habits data to advertisers. Then advertisers could use that data to find you on your phone and other devices and target your you with your advertisements tailored to those habits. Pretty sleazy. The company argued that it was innocent and that all data recording was anonymous, not specific to each user, and asked the class action lawsuit to be dismissed. But a California federal judge didn't buy its arguments two times in March and July, allowing the legal process to continue. This was despite the fact that in February 2017, the company came to a very friendly $2.2 million settlement with the FTC on this investigation. As part of the legal process against the company, it agreed to push a notice to all affected smart TVs alerting consumers of what happened and what their rights are. The notice should show up sometime between September 12th and October 3rd. Now more than ever, if you are a Vizio smart TV owner, stay tuned. <laughs> what kind of TV do you have? I have a Panasonic. Okay. Yes, a Panasonic. I remember because when the washing machines were blowing up or whatever it was, I was really worried. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this could like be any moment. I'm looking at the, the calendar here, and today when we're filming this right. episode is the 12th. So you may be watching this on your Vizio TV and suddenly there's that pop-up. The pop-up, right. Which, which they would do because they would know that you're watching Category 5 and you would immediately close it, ignoring the pop-up because you want to watch the show. Right. So it's strategy, right? Artificial intelligence and They've got machine this. learning. They know exactly they know what you're exactly watching and when. They know exactly how to avoid getting in trouble. Right. Interesting, right? I mean, we talk about future technology and thinking that, okay, well, what would happen if robots suddenly you know, went through a lawsuit because they're monitoring. What right. happens if Alexa? I'm sorry. Oh, I keep doing that. And then now every Alexa everywhere is like... <laughs> Cancel. So. We're cool, my babies, YouTube. We're cool. YouTube, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> True story. Um, yeah. What like, what what, what happens, happens legally? What happens if? Right. Yeah. And and then what are the ramifications? And what does that do for um, for the services? Because if it's deemed that hey, if we develop a service that does what these devices, which I'm not going to say the word because I caught myself. What if these devices are monitoring our every speech and things? And right. now we can't we can't create the product that people want to be able to ask it for the weather and the cookie recipes and things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what if we can't manufacture that because we're going to get sued? Right. There comes a point. I guess what it comes down to, I guess where I would have to stop the, that trail of thought and say, okay, where this is different is that Vizio didn't disclose this to their right. users. When I buy... An Echo, 
Mm-hmm. See how I did that? I know what I'm getting myself into. I know that she's listening. Right. When I exactly. buy, right? So, so I, is that there? Is that my opt-in? Is that my approval of? Okay, I understand well, that if I'm watching Category Five and the host messes up, that I'm probably going to order a dollhouse <laughs> and a pound of sugar cookies. Um, mm. So uh, here's the thing, though. I think that it's not about the collection of the information. I assume that there is a lot of my privacy that I is that. I expect is private, but it's not private. Like, right. I expect that when I'm in my living room having a conversation with the devices around me, probably they're absorbing some of that conversation. Mm-hmm. That I'm actually pretty okay with. It's the selling it to somebody else that I'm not okay with. But if it's... Are, are we coming into a world, though, Sasha, where... Like, because when I'm on my computer and I'm looking around, suddenly I start getting ads for things that, oh my goodness, I really want that. That's so me. That's what I've been looking for. Right. Right. So if I'm having a conversation with my wife and it's a private conversation and, and it's being recorded anonymously in such a way that it's really just picking up on keywords and trends right. and kind of it's making a, a kind of a picture of what kinds of things I like. Right. If I have particular political views or if I'm interested in certain technologies, if I come home and tell my wife about how excited I am about the Rock Pro 64, and then suddenly I start seeing advertisements for, oh, they've got a new case for it. Right. Oh, you know, that's where the technology has to go. It's tr- it's true. I mean, I, I know that there are some people who are kind of up in arms about having a conversation about something and then seeing advertisements for it. Mm-hmm. You know, days later, somewhat. I I feel I feel you. But other other ways, I think it's a bit of selective perception. Like it's it's that you're seeing it now because you talked about it, not that you're see like because you're you're more aware because you've talked about it. It was probably already there in some cases. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Does that make but sense? I know that the very things I search for are being advertised to me. So. Right, the things you search for, but not the conversations you have. Not yet. Right. I don't have one of those devices. Right. Yeah. But uh, I, uh, I'm I, not against it. I, I to be honest I with you, you, I'm not against it. And I think that there is that line where we are opting into the technologies that we are purchasing. Mm-hmm. And we're saying, hey, this is okay. I've got my smartphone. I'm using all right... Google. Right. And see, I (laughs) care about my community. And so if I'm using that, then am I opted into, yeah, all right, I have to be okay with what they're using that data for. Right. Right. So maybe I'm not, maybe I am. I I guess I am. I'm like, like right now currently in like obsessed, like infatuated with the tell me about my day feature. Oh, sure. Yeah, right. Give me some good news here, girl. Well, they won't. They yeah. won't give me good news. They won't do it news. in Canada, but hey, <laughs> they don't support yeah, good news I'm here. I'm sorry. There is no good news in Canada. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, but I. But I. Te- but I ask it to tell me about my day, and the assistant mm-hmm. is amazing. I love it. I, I know it. everything that's going to happen. I know the weather. I know how long it's going to take me to my next thing. I am down. I'll know the weather better once lidar gets better. Look out for the better. piano. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we are unfortunately out of time, but please comment below. Let us know what your thoughts are about these kinds of technologies. Listening, eavesdropping, 
collecting data in order to advertise to us. Is it okay? Is it something that we've opted into with the society mm-hmm. that we live in and the technologies that are around us? Or is it something that you're totally uncool with? Let us know right. in the comment below. Yes. Big thanks to Roy W. Nash, Game Fairs, and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category5.tv newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. Thank you, Sasha. And I'm Robbie Ferguson. It's been such a pleasure having you here again with us this week. And we're looking forward to seeing you again one week from now. Take care.